Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. Matthew chapter 13. I almost like playing with that pad in the background. Hannah would kill me if I just said, hey, just stay up there for like the next hour. Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to be preaching. If I'm preaching on this side uh, of the room today, it's because literally like 90% of you are sitting on this side of the room. So So what does that mean? We need to win the lost and fill up the other side of the room, right? That's what God's called us all to do. The kingdom part two. I love this time of the year because God is giving us prophetic instruction. If you were here last week, we kind of started with some of the words being released by the prophets this year. Uh, Men, not just rinky-dink prophets that nobody knows who they are, and they're just saying ridiculous things that doesn't ever happen. These are men of God that have had proven and tested ministries like Dutch Sheets, like Chuck Pierce, like Lou Engel, Jeremiah Johnson, all these great men of God, uh, and many more. I mean, I'm really, honestly, I'm kind of new, I think, to really the prophet's ministry. That's not something that that I was ever in, and the Lord's opened me up to it. And so we started last week by reading 2 Chronicles 20.20. I'll give you a paraphrase. Basically, the the portion we pulled out, it says, Believe in the Lord, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. So we kind of talked about how you don't have to be confused in life. In Amos chapter 7, the Bible actually says that God does nothing on on the earth without first consulting his servants, the prophets. God does nothing on the earth without first speaking to the prophets. What does that mean? That means at all times, there's somebody in the body of Christ that knows what God is going to do. We don't have to run around afraid. We don't have to run around just completely shipwrecked and being like a reed that's blown and tossed in the wind because CNN is saying this and Fox is saying this uh, and, and... the mainstream media and, and, and Facebook, all, you know, you see all these things. It's so easy to get discouraged and confused. The Bible says, believe the Lord, which is what? His word, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Hallelujah. So we want to go into 2021 with a prophetic word from the Lord, with direction from God. Because I can tell you, you always, God will speak to you in the light. And always obey what God spoke to you in the light when you feel like you're walking through the darkness. It's easy to get into a dark place and think, what the heck is going on? I expected something completely different this year. We're going to talk about some of these spiritual principles because nothing in life goes uncontested. You always obey what the Lord told you in the light when you're walking through the test. Amen. That means God will give you instruction now. 
for the rest of the year that you have to cling to, that you have to stand firm on, that you have to position yourself to go down a specific path and be unwavering and decided that you are not going to be moved no matter what comes against you and the Lord's word will come to pass in your life. Amen. So let's go ahead and get into this. We talked about the kingdom. The Lord spoke to me and told me we were entering into a kingdom era. Uh, where you're going to see the characteristics of the kingdom on the earth. I'm telling you guys, this is not going to be a year of destruction for the body of Christ. Any Christian that's running around saying, oh my gosh, if so-and-so becomes president, the world's going to fall apart, what are we going to do? Don't listen to them because they're not speaking by the Spirit of God. God has not spoken in His Word, number one, a year of destruction over His church. Can I tell you, even if negative things do happen, Christians need to get this in their spirit. God never punishes the righteous alongside the wicked. If we live in a country that has murdered babies, and we're doing everything that we can, you know, they've murdered babies, they've promoted things that are completely immoral, that's brought a curse upon this country, and we as the church right now are awake, praying, fasting, pushing against this kingdom, we are not going to suffer any judgment or any of the effects of those decisions you know when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah he rescued Lot first when God flooded the earth he rescued Noah and his family first the wicked don't perish alongside the righteous don't perish alongside the wicked amen so anybody telling you that that's what this year is going to be is it, it, they're, they're not speaking from the Spirit of God and they're not speaking from the Word of God. In fact, I'm telling you that the Spirit of God is revealing to us that this is going to be the best year that we've ever seen on the face of the planet. We're in, we're, we are entering into a season of revival in the earth. We are entering into a season of reformation on the earth. We're going to see revival take place like we've never seen before. And when I talk about reformation, guys, I'm talking about the, the Republican Party being reformed, the Democratic Party being reformed. I'm talking about the media being reformed, the government as a whole being reformed, the, everything, our culture being completely transformed and reformed. That's the season that we're entering into. So the Lord told me, the season, it's like the kingdom. Jesus taught about the kingdom. And a lot of Christians don't know anything about the kingdom. You, say, you, know, you, you talk about the kingdom, they don't even understand what that really means. And so the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to teach the church about the kingdom. I want you to read through the parables and the stories that Jesus taught about the kingdom and extract the truth from those parables and stories because that will be something that the church will see so evident in their life this year. This is how you need to conduct your life this year. If you weren't here, go back and watch the last service. We explained a lot of this much more, but I want to go ahead and get into this week. There's two facts that I need you to understand before we get started about the kingdom. Number one, the kingdom is here. This is what Romans 14, 17 says. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. What I want you to understand, God has already established his spiritual kingdom on the earth. His spiritual kingdom is here. And when Jesus Christ returns, he will establish a physical kingdom. A glorified kingdom, a new heaven, a new earth. 
But when people think about the kingdom, they think, okay, that's one day whenever I die, I'll get a harp and I'll get some angel wings and then I'll enter into the kingdom of heaven. You completely miss it because Jesus actually prayed, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What was he talking about? He was sitting here telling his disciples, I want you to pray. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What do you think they were praying when they went into the upper room before Pentecost? When he said, go and wait for the promise, what do you think they were praying? Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. And what happened? The Holy Ghost was poured out on all flesh, on sons and daughters, on young men, on old men, and the spiritual kingdom was established on the earth. The kingdom's here. And now here's the second point you need to understand. You are a citizen of the kingdom. Amen. A lot of people know that. They've heard that, but they don't really understand what that means. Colossians 1, 12 through 13. It says, always thanking the Father, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. You have been transferred into the kingdom. Why is it important that you, need, you understand what the kingdom is? Because you're a citizen of the kingdom. You know, the kingdom has laws. The kingdom has rules. The kingdom is governed by certain laws that, that you're a citizen of. So once you're born again, your life is not governed by the natural world. Your life is governed by the kingdom. If I go into Russia and I try to, or, or communist China, and I start trying to act like a citizen of the United States, it's not going to do me very well, is it? A kingdom has laws, a kingdom has rules, a kingdom has government. In order to be effective in that society, you have to learn the laws, the rules, and how the kingdom works, how that society works. You have been transferred into the kingdom. You need to learn how the kingdom works. So many Christians don't. And so they have this horrible experience on earth where they're saved, but their life is still horrible. They struggle. They're sick. They die poor. They die sick. They die never accomplishing anything on this earth. Why? Because even though they were trans transferred into a new kingdom, they never learned how that kingdom operated. And so, therefore, they never operated in it. Y'all still with me? You are a citizen of the kingdom. Philippians 3.20 says, we are, can you say are? citizens of heaven not you're going to be a citizen of heaven when you die one day you are a citizen of heaven now you know that you can live like heaven on earth is that just a little too does that offend people i don't know does that i think that offends the religious spirit but you can actually live in a way where it's like heaven on earth you are a citizen of heaven now jesus was a human being he was a man he wasn't a spirit. You know, the Bible actually says that he forfeited all of his divine rights and left heaven and took the form of a servant as a human being. He forfeited his divine rights. So people always say, well, yeah, Jesus was able to take bread and multiply it and feed thousands of people, but I'm not Jesus. Jesus was a man full of the power of the kingdom, which is the power of the Holy Ghost. 
Jesus was a man that didn't put things in boxes and learn how to live on this earth completely in tune with the kingdom of heaven. He, he set the example for us. He was the firstborn. Amen. The Bible says that he is our brother. The, people think that this is crazy, but Jesus was the firstborn, the first raised, born again, raised from the dead. He is our example that we follow on this earth, how to live as spirit-filled men and women. Are y'all still with me? You know, it's funny too. Jesus wasn't the only one that did miracles. How is it that Peter was walking down the road and it says that they would bring sick people out just as, so a shadow could fall on them and that a shadow was getting people up off of their mats, but paralyzed people walking, the blind see, the deaf are hearing, demons are being expelled. He wasn't Jesus, was he? He was a man that had received the kingdom in his life, had received the Holy Ghost. You know that when Paul was on the island of Malta, another man shipwrecked. That he, that the Lord, he, he shipwrecked on this island. He began to preach the gospel. He went and started healing people. And it says b before long, they brought all of their sick to Paul. And he healed every single one of them. And they began to worship Paul like he was a god. You know what Paul said he did? It says that he ripped his shirt and he showed him his flesh and said, I am flesh. I am a man. I'm a human being. This isn't my power. This isn't because I'm like Hercules or some God that's in the flesh. No, let me tell you about the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ and how the same spirit that was in Jesus Christ can now live in each and every one of us. You're a citizen of the kingdom. Ephesians 2.19 It says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens. Can you say citizens? Along with all of God's holy People, you are members of God's family. When you're a citizen of heaven, your life should not look like hell on the earth. Amen. Citizens of heaven don't live bound. Citizens of heaven don't live broke down, beat down, poor, in poverty, sick. That's not how citizens of heaven live. I want to read you Matthew 13. Have you guys got there yet? So going into the kingdom, I wanted you to understand those two things. Number one, the kingdom is here, and you are a citizen of that kingdom. So now I want to help you understand how this kingdom works so that it can start working for you in your life. And you can begin to see the kingdom of heaven here on earth. You can, let, you, you can position yourself where his kingdom comes and his will is done in your life on earth as it is in heaven. Are y'all still with me this morning? Hallelujah. You know, it's crazy how people in the Old Testament had this revelation. I mean, why do you think that David in Psalms 91, the most hypocritical thing I've ever seen in my life churches let's shut down and let's send everybody home but then we'll plaster Psalms 91 on our Facebook when Psalms 91 literally is telling you even though a thousand fall at my side and ten thousand are dying around me these evils will not touch me why was David able to say that well number one he was saying it under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost but what was the revelation of that look Nobody's denying that this stuff may be happening to everybody else, but I'm not like everybody else. 
I mean, Christians need to get this. I am not like everybody else. I'm not going to use somebody else's story as an excuse to justify something in my life to make me feel better to, so that I can feel sympathy, I can feel okay with something that's going on in my life. No, I'm not like them. I'm a citizen of heaven. I have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness and placed in the kingdom of light. I need you to understand this. Let's look at Matthew 13, 1 through 23. We're going to begin to read this. It says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, and he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. He said, Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seed fell along the footpath. And the birds came and ate them. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wiltered under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seed fell along the thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much that had been planted. Jesus is telling us how the kingdom works and how the word of God works. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, Why do you use parables when you talk to people? He replied in verse 11, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Look at this in verse 12. He says, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, but they will have, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. So I want to pull out of that. Let me read that again. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. Can you say an abundance? But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. So here's the point that I want to draw out of this. This is a principle that you need to understand. You can only receive the kingdom. You can only receive the word of God if you're hungry. Guys, I'm telling you right now, I wish that the church in America would get hungry right now. You can only receive the kingdom if you're hungry. We talked about this a little bit last week. But Jesus says this. This is interesting. You know, what, what the disciples were asking him is, why do you teach that way? Why do you teach in a way that's a little bit hard to understand? That you're teaching and telling these stories and people are sitting there looking at you like, what in the world are you talking about? Huh? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand. And Jesus is saying it serves a purpose. Because by me teaching this way, it separates people into two different categories. There's going to be two types of people is what Jesus is saying. There's going to be people that listen and say, you know what? I don't know about that dude. That dude's crazy. Not interested. And they go on about their life. He said, but there will be another group of people that are hungry for the Lord, that are hungry for Jesus, that are hungry that something inside of them stirs them and they say, you know what? No, I don't understand. And what it would cause them to do was come find Jesus after everybody else had left. 
It would cause them to come and stay a little bit longer after everybody else left. And they would ask questions and it would cause them to dive in deeper. Amen. 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 This is what's so amazing too. Here's a principle that Jesus was saying. I think this is amazing. He says, listen to my teaching and more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. An abundance of knowledge. How does that work? He's basically telling them, if you'll keep coming to me, I'll keep pouring out to you. If you keep seeking, you'll keep finding. This is the way that the kingdom works, guys. The reason that I think that this is so important, I know that this is so important, is because complacent Christianity doesn't work in the kingdom. You have to get hungry. You have to get hungry. Amen. Thank you, Lord. For a time, a season that we're entering into where people are not going to just be churchgoers. They're going to get hungry to press in, to stay later, to seek after the kingdom of heaven in their quiet time, in their homes. They are going to seek your face and get into your presence and pursue after your heart. And they shall receive an abundance of knowledge because as they continue to seek, you're going to continue to reveal in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It's impossible to be hungry and stay where you're at for five years. When you meet a Christian that is the exact same as they were a year ago or two years ago or three years ago, you can tell right then and right there that at some point they stop getting hungry and they stop seeking. When you're hungry, he says, I will continue to pour out and pour out and pour out and pour out. Can I tell you, there's no limit with God. There's no ceiling top with the Lord. You're never going to get to a point where you've received everything that he has for you and that he wants to give you. Stay hungry. If you receive anything from this morning, can I just encourage you? Stay hungry for God. Get yourself hungry. You know, this is funny. Jesus never chased after the people that weren't interested. You ever notice that? You ever notice like when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and Jesus told him something a little bit hard that he didn't really want to hear and then he felt discouraged and wanted to walk away? Jesus didn't go running after him and say, oh no, please come join my group. Wait, I take that back. I just want to kind of sell you some puppy dog, cotton candy, little fun thing. And, and I, I, just come, just come. And he wasn't trying to build followers. He wasn't trying to build a following, I should say. He wasn't trying to build a ministry. He was making disciples. Why did Jesus not chase after those people? Because he understood this. No, you can't make anybody hungry. If somebody's not hungry, there's nothing that you can do. That every person has to come to the end of themselves. Each and every person has to come to this place where they're at the end of their rope, where they're saying, Lord, I, I am hungry. I need Jesus. I need change. I am willing to go. Lord, I have come to the end of my life. Just ask me to leave it, and I'll leave it today, and I'll pick, to leave everything, and I'll follow you, Lord. You can't train somebody to do that. That's got to come from your heart. I just love that Jesus never chased people down and, you know, because they, they wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked. He wasn't trying to build a show. He wasn't trying to build just a following and to build a ministry and to build an organization. He was making disciples. 
And he would tell people, look, I love you. I'm going to die on the cross for you. i got a purpose for your life. I want to bless you so much. But if you are not willing to leave everything and follow me, this will not work for you. Because the second that they take me into captivity and I'm starting to get whipped and I'm about to be hung on that cross to be crucified, you're going to be gone. If this isn't something that you've decided in your heart, you're going to be gone. Or the second that, okay, maybe they, they leave, Jesus comes back like he did for Peter and the rest of the disciples and he, and he comes and, and they have this encounter with Jesus after he's resurrected. And then he just tells them in Acts 1, go and wait in Jerusalem. He didn't tell them how long. He didn't even tell them what necessarily they were waiting for. He just said, go wait for the promise. If they're not sold, if they haven't made this decision in their heart to follow Jesus, like that old song, how does it go? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back no turning back he says if you haven't decided to do that you're gonna compromise but the second that you're in that prayer room for one day and you don't receive it you're gonna be gone because somebody tried to sell you something cheap if you're not willing to leave everything, you can't even begin to follow Jesus. This is step one of the kingdom. What do we do? We just sell people some cheap imitation of the word of God and some cheap imitation of the gospel because we don't want to be rejected and we want to build a nice following and we want it to look really good. And so what happens? The year 2020 comes and 98% of the church compromises because we have built spectators and not made disciples. Am I trying to tell you your life is going to be hard and horrible? No, your life is going to be blessed. We're, I'll go ahead and skip to the end. You know, we're going to read through this parable, and it says the seed that fell on good soil will reproduce 30, 60, and 100 times what was sowed. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're not going to lose anything. You're going to gain so much more than what you came in with. I'm not just talking about spiritually. Oh, I died in a cardboard box, but my God, I was spiritually blessed. You're going to be blessed in every sense of the word blessed. If you will learn how the kingdom works and apply it and live a life of faith, God will multiply you. He'll bless you. I ask anybody who genuinely has come to the end of their rope and given Jesus their everything and plugged in and received him and begin to do things his way, they'll tell you dramatic changes that have taken place in their life in like a month, in two months, in three months. God will exceedingly, abundantly, more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine, bless you, multiply you, increase your life in every area. I'm not trying to tell you that, you know, you better just come and follow Jesus and it's going to suck and it's going to be horrible, but that's the way it's got to be. No, that's not what I'm telling you. But I'm telling you, you cannot hang on to who you used to be. You can't hang on to this world. You can't hang on to that old life. You have to come and give everything to follow Jesus.
Everything. Can you say everything? So he never chased after people that weren't hungry. That they Pray for them. Don't reject people that aren't hungry. Genuinely, we need to be moved with compassion because if they die in that state, they're going to hell. I mean, that's, the, that's just the reality. There's no way to sugarcoat this. There will be people that die and they refuse to give their life and their heart to Jesus Christ and they will go to hell. Hell was never created for them. Hell was created for the devil and his followers. But God will let you choose. Amen. Just like he did his people, today I'm giving you a choice. The choice between life and the choice between death. He said, oh, I pray, oh, that you would choose life. Hallelujah. Let's keep reading. Verse 13. He says, that's why I use these parables. So as I said, that some people, you know, they would come. And they would listen to what Jesus said, and they would be hungry. They wanted more. But there was other people that would just completely disregard the word. Disregard the word. Can I tell you guys, don't ever have a light regard for the word of God. Train your kids to not have a light regard for the word of God. When you bring your kids to church, it's not religious. You're training them. Can I tell you, the Bible says train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're older, they won't depart from it. You don't let kids do what they want. You, you have to tell them what they should do. Amen. I see parents all the time, and I'm just talking about it in this church, but in general, like, okay, you can come. You're, you're 11. You really are not into this. Here, just play on your phone and play on your tablet. Don't train your child to have a light regard for the Word of God because they'll become an adult and have a light regard for the Word of God. You got to get hungry. Amen. Hungry. So he says in verse 14, this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. And when you see what I do, you will not comprehend. Verse 15, for the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. They have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So why was he saying these people, right? He's talking about these two classes of people, those that are hungry, those that are obviously not hungry. Why are they not able to receive the word of God? He tells you there's two things. In verse 15, the hearts of these people are hardened. Hard hearts. I just want to say this, guys. People are going to offend you in life. Brothers and sisters are going to offend you. If you're a part of anything long enough, there's going to be at some point some knucklehead that says something to you. You're going to have people that you love, that hurt you, that turn their back on you. But look, you cannot use that as an excuse. You are responsible for your heart. What does the Bible say? Forgive. What if somebody wrongs you? I mean, I'm talking like destroys your life, wrongs you. What does the Bible say? Forgive them. Forgive them. Don't let your heart get hard. He says because they have, their hearts are hardened, skip down, and they have closed their eyes. What is he talking about? They have closed their eyes. 
Can I tell you guys that there's a lot of preachers and leaders, religious leaders that have closed their eyes? That have like, okay, we like what we got here. We like what we're doing. We like the following that we have. We like the organization that we built. We like the money that we make. And so we're going to put these blinders on right here, and we're going to just stay right here. We're not going to try to go any deeper because if we actually keep pressing, God may actually want to change something. And if he wants to change something, I don't know if we're really willing to give up what he's going to ask us to give up. There's leaders. There's even Christian leaders that put these blinders on. They have closed their eyes. They're not interested. Not interested in the Holy Ghost. Not interested in the Spirit moving. Not interested in what the prophets are saying. I'll give you guys a word right now. <laughs> and I'm telling you, don't just take this because I'm preaching from this pulpit. I don't want to just speak to this church. I want to speak to the church, the body of Christ. Because there needs to be refinement and reformation take place. There is, there is pastors that shut their churches down. The Lord revealed this to me. And it wasn't because they were afraid of COVID-19. It's because they knew that if they did not shut their church down, they have not preached the word of God to their congregation. And they have just built up this, this organization that is run by the opinions of man. And they knew that if I don't shut my church down, I'm going to have 90% of the people that go to my church call me and tell me, how could you do this? Do you not care about people? Do you not love people? Because they have failed to teach them what the word of God says about these things. And so they compromise because they don't want to lose people. What does people mean? What does it mean to have people? Money. What does the Bible say? The love of money is the root of all evil. This is why every Christian needs to learn to make God their source. Servant of the Lord. He's my source. He's my provider. When you're a servant of the Lord, you're a slave to no man. And you'll go where God wants you to go. You'll say what God wants you to say, uncompromised, unapologetic, with love. But it's true. Some of these pastors, even in bigger cities, and I'm not going to call any of them out by name. It's just a fact. Shut their churches down for COVID-19, but then were in the streets with their congregation at Black Lives Matter movements and rallies and doing stuff like that. Why? Because the same people that would have called and raised heck because they didn't close down would have calls and called and raised heck if they weren't in the streets marching with these people. Amen. Blinders. They have closed their eyes. I like what I have. I'm not willing to change it. I'm not willing to give it up. I'm happy. I'm good. I'm solid. I'm good. That's a horrible, horrible, horrible place to be. But that's where a lot of Christians are. I'm good. I pray that religious spirit, that devil spirit gets broken off of Huntington, Texas. I can't tell you how many times that I have been in the streets witnessing to people. Hey, do you know Jesus? Yes, I know Jesus. That's amazing. Let me ask you the question that Paul asked in Acts chapter 19. Have you received the Holy Ghost? What do you mean? Are you talking about talking in tongues? I'll turn on to Acts, uh, uh, Mark 16, 17. 
Jesus said these signs will follow those who believe. One of those signs being you will speak in new languages. I'll turn to Acts 2 and read on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit was poured out on all believers and all that were present began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. I'll turn to Acts 10 when the, when the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost. I'll turn to Acts 19. I'll show them in the Word. And you know what some people will say? Close my eyes. Well, my preacher says we don't do that. Don't close your eyes to the word of God. Every Christian needs to get to a genuine place where I want the word and I'm going to do what this thing says, even if it causes me to have to uproot and change everything that I thought to be true about life. I want the word of God. The word of God. Can you say the word of God? I'm telling y'all, I'm not here to play games and I'm not here to, to be in a religion. I'm not here to put on a show, and I don't believe you're here for that either. I want the Word of God. I want to stand before the Father and Him literally speak and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want to live my life so afraid of how people are going to receive the truth that I never preach the truth. Jesus wasn't afraid of how people received Him. The truth is the truth. That wall is not purple and gray. There's not my truth and your truth. And we live in this society where truth is just depending on what you think is true. No, there is a truth. And in fact, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the life, and the truth. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. There's not 50 ways to heaven. There's one way. It's through Jesus Christ. And we as believers in love with, with the passion that God has for people, the compassion that God has for people, need to preach the stinking truth to this world. You know, just because people don't like, and that's what you say something to me that I didn't like, so they automatically think that that means you don't love them. It's not true. Tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. In love. Amen. So he says, they have closed their eyes. Let's keep reading verse 16. The Bible says, but blessed are you and your eyes because they see. In your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. Man, hallelujah. You think about that. Many prophets, men in the past long to see. Jesus was saying what you're seeing right before your very eyes. If they didn't even get to see it. You know, it's like you think about this. If all of these great men, we read about Abraham, the blessing of Abraham. We read, about, we read about what Moses did. He parted the Red Sea. We read about what Elijah did. They were under an old covenant. The Bible teaches us we have entered into a new, far better, much better covenant. I want you to think about this. In the old covenant, they had the spirit with limitations. They, were, they could prophesy, they, could, you know, they had this little lane that they stuck to. That's not so in the New Covenant. You know that the Bible actually talks about Jesus. The Bible says he had the spirit without limit. 
What does that mean? Jesus didn't have one gift. He had nine gifts. Jesus didn't have one ability. He didn't just have some cool ability to do something. He had the gift, which was the Holy Ghost. And he was a man completely surrendered. And so the Holy Ghost, if somebody needed to be healed, boom, healed. He needed the gift of faith, gift of faith. Needed prophecy, prophecy. Word of knowledge, words of wisdom. He had all of them. He had the spirit without limit. You know, that same spirit that Jesus had, it says we have received when we are baptized with the Holy Ghost. We're in a far better covenant. Church, never be defeated. Never be defeated. Never be defeated in life. Live in victory. You have the Holy Ghost. You have the power of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you. We're going to get to this. Why do so many people not get this? Let's read. Keep reading in verse 17. I'm sorry. Yeah, verse 17. He says, they longed to, they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now, verse 18. Now, listen to the explanation of the parable. He says, listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. I'm sorry, I lost my place. Listen to the explanation about the parable of the farmer planting seeds. Before I actually get to the interpretation, I, I think today the Lord kind of led me in a little bit of a different direction. But I want to share a few more things with you. And there's no time frame. We can go over this for the next eight weeks, Right? There's no, well, I have this series planned out and I've got to be done in two weeks from now. Who cares? We're going to do what the Lord wants us to do. We'll stay on something as long as God wants us to. So in the book of Mark, this is another gospel account where Mark is telling the same story. He's telling, we're about to read, when we just started reading, the parable of the sower. Mark talks about the parable of the sower as well. But this is interesting. Before the interpretation of that parable is given, Mark adds this detail that Matthew leaves out. In Mark 4.14, Mark says, The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. How is the kingdom established on the earth? By taking God's word to others. How is the kingdom established in somebody's life? So maybe you have a spouse that's not believing. Maybe you've been in the struggle with a spouse. That you're a believer, you're on fire, but they're just not there. And it's this constant fight, this constant struggle. How is the kingdom established in their life? By taking the word of God to them. Maybe you have a child that's ran off, that's living rebellious in the world? How do you establish the kingdom? How can they come to a point of being saved and, and entering into the kingdom? By taking God's word to them. You have to preach the word. Amen. You have to preach the word. This is the importance. You know, there's a lot of people 
Even when it comes to family members and close friends that you know they're lost, you know they're bound, and you want to see something in their life, what do we do? Well, I'll pray for them. And that's good. You should pray for them. You should spend time interceding for them. You should spend time binding that devil spirit. You should be spend time uh, loosing God's power, releasing angelic influences over their life. You should spend time doing all of that. But the Bible says that the kingdom's not established by prayer. It's established by taking God's word to others. So what am I trying to say? You can pray all day long, but until you deliver that word to them, the word of God, the kingdom can't even begin to grow in their life. So many times we're afraid to say anything to somebody we love because it may offend them. We don't want to step on their toes. We don't want to overstep. We just draw this line, and I'm going to pray for you at a distance. Hopefully my life will be plenty to just somehow lead you to the Lord. That's not the way the kingdom works. The kingdom starts as a seed, and that seed is God's word. You have to preach the word to them. That family member, that that spouse you're praying for, you have to preach the word to them. What if they reject it? They're rejecting it anyways right now. What if they don't reject it? You know, you need to just get like a seed. You need to become like a deer feeder, just a seed slinging person. So I'm going to pray. It's your spouse. They got a hard heart. Maybe they've closed their eyes to the truth. They're happy. They're good. I don't want that. I'm good. Pray for God to soften their heart and just keep throwing that seed at them left and right. Boom. Boom. Your family member that you're trying to win to the Lord that's lost, that's deceived, you need to pray for them and just keep throwing that seed. Don't ever think they're just a lost cause. They've rejected it. Pray that God would soften their hearts. And this is a scary prayer to pray sometimes. Sometimes you need to pray that the Lord would humble them. Sometimes you need to pray that whatever needs to shift for them to come to the end of their rope, let it shift and let it happen. If that means losing your job, and if that's what it's going to take for a man to get on his knees and give his life to Jesus, I can tell you Jesus is more concerned about his eternity in heaven than the job that he has right now. Jesus can give him a new job when he gets born again. Easy. Easy. Better job than he had the first time anyways. But if that's what it's going to take, Lord, let this person, if it takes them being broken, I'm asking right now, I'm going to command things in their life to break. I'm going to command strongholds right now to come down. I'm going to command things to shake. And then you sow the word. Don't ever be afraid to give the word because of rejection. People will reject you. Guys, they rejected Jesus. The best teacher. The most anointed human being. I mean, any gift that we are learning to walk in, even though we can walk just as Christ walked, 1 John 4, 7, 17. There's still this process where we're learning to do that. So just think about a human being fully surrendered, full of the power of the Holy Ghost to the max level, no hindrances, completely obedient. That was Jesus, and yet people still rejected him. People still listened to him preach and said, this dude's an idiot and walked away from the son of God, God in the flesh. And he literally told his disciples, if they did it to me, they'll do it to you. So the word of God, I'm telling you right now, 
Don't be afraid to speak to people's issues. Go where nobody else wants to go. You have that person in your family that everybody knows this thing that's happening right now. Nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody wants to just go around it, beat around the bush because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid it'll push them away. We're afraid it'll hurt their, their feelings. Go right to the issue and bring the word of God with you and sow the word of God. Well, you're depressed. Well, I don't want to say depressed. That's a kind of an offensive word. No, you're depressed. Let me tell you about what Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost will do for depression. I'm not going to beat around the bush. Man, I got this family member that seems like they just take a couple too many drinks. But I want to kind of, I'm afraid to really speak to that issue. And let's just go around, beat around the bush. We don't want to say something too direct like, hey, maybe it's better. If, let's try to put other positive influences in your life. No, speak to the issue with the word of God. Sow the word of God. Don't do it out of judgment and don't do it out of rebuking and, and you know, humiliating and exposing. Do it out of love. Love them. Amen. Are you all still with me? The kingdom can't even start in someone's life until you give them the word of God. Let me show you this, Romans 10, 14 through 15. You know, I was in prayer a few weeks ago, and I was really interceding for the lost of Huntington, praying for the lost. We should. We should pray for the lost. But I don't know why in our human minds it's like we just think, even winning the lost, guys, can I tell you, unbelievers don't want to come to church. Unbelievers want to come to church, like biblical church, about as much as I want to go to like a gay bar in Austin, Texas and just hang out. I, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. Not interested. Never going to happen. They're not born again. They're not filled with the, with the kingdom of heaven. They're not filled with the spirit of God. Even though people do come in here and, man, you know, the Lord is so amazing and sweet and they taste and see, that's absolutely amazing. But you can't just wait for people to just happen to mosey their way in here and, and, and find this place. You have to bring the word of God to others to establish the kingdom of heaven. The word, the gospel has been entrusted with us, human beings. You don't understand the weight and the responsibility of this. We were reading in our Kenneth Hagin workbook, which I want to encourage you. If you're not in small groups, get to small groups, guys. I love you so much. We're going to talk about discipleship next week. You need to get to small groups. It is so important to be discipled as a believer. We're not here for spectators. We're here for dis to make disciples. Amen. I want you guys to hear this. In the book of Acts, before the Gentiles received the gospel, an angel appeared to a man named Cornelius. And he told Cornelius to sin for a man named Peter. We all know who Peter was. That Peter had a message that he wanted to tell him. Right? Everybody kind of familiar with that? If not, that's okay. You just follow the story here. So what ended up happening was... Cornelius sent for Peter. Peter came and preached the gospel. And then all the Gentiles that were in that room got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. So people ask the question, if the angel told him to sin for Peter, why didn't the angel just tell the gospel to him? 
Why didn't the angel that told him, hey, send for this man Peter? He's got a message. Why didn't the angel just tell him, hey, there's been this man named Jesus Christ that paid the price for your sins and preached the gospel to them? It's because the gospel hasn't been entrusted with angels. The gospel has been entrusted with man, with, to the church. That means that if it's not being preached by us, it's not being preached. That means that if we're not winning the lost and sowing the word of God, taking the word of God to others, it doesn't matter how much we pray, God's not going to just send some angel to save a city. If we pray for a city to be saved, you know what God's going to do? He's going to raise up a man or a woman that is willing to say yes. We have to sow the word of God. Right, there's a song that says, uh, you know, I talked about how prayer, the kingdom doesn't come through prayer. There's a song that we sing, and it's not a bad song, but I just think the theology is horrible in it. It's like, even with just a smile, they will know the Father's love, right? No, they won't know the Father's love with just a smile, and that's the problem with Christians' mentalities. I'll just go to Walmart and I'll just give them a smile and maybe they'll see the glory of God on my face and get saved. It doesn't work that way. You have to sow the word in order to establish the kingdom of heaven. If you want to see heaven established in your workplace, what do you have to do? Sow the word. If you want to see the kingdom of heaven established in your family, what do you have to do? Bring the word. Sow the word. Are y'all still with me this morning? Amen. So this is what Paul said in Romans 10, 14 through 15. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? So how can the lost even call on Jesus to save them unless they believe? How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Your family's not going to get saved unless you, you speak to the issue. Amen. Do you know that it's not unloving to tell somebody face to face, I'm afraid that you may go to hell unless you listen to what I'm saying right now? What if they don't like that? Pray for them. And keep preaching the word of God to them. Are y'all still with me? I mean, it's true. That doesn't sound like a very godly message, right? Love. Well, what do you do with as soon as Jesus was baptized with the Holy Ghost, the first message that we have recorded of him preaching was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Did he not love people? He loved people so much, he gave his life. How many of us would be willing to get crucified for a bunch of people spitting in our face? He loved people, but it was a fact. You have to repent. The kingdom of heaven is coming, and you have to repent. You have to receive Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to give you with this last bit of advice and we'll pick up next week. I already said it, but I'll say it again. Don't compromise the truth. Amen. Don't water it down. 
so that you won't be rejected. Some will reject it, but it takes the pure seed of God's word and someone's life to even begin to bring them to salvation. The pure seed. God only backs his word. God doesn't back my interpretation of the word. He doesn't back, back your interpretation. He only backs his word. Right. means we water it down and we compromise it so that it's more palatable. Is that a word? Yeah. See, I learned some things in high school. We water this thing down. God doesn't back that. Signs, miracles, and wonders follow the preaching of the word of God. Amen. If you want power behind what you say, you have to preach the word. Uncompromised. If you want the word to work, if you don't want the word to work, then don't waste your time. I'm telling you guys, come, let's pray. I'll pray with you. We'll start believing for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost so that you don't receive us. That, that spirit of fear is cast out and you receive a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. Amen. I'm going to pray for y'all. I'm going to ask my worship team to come up. I want to pray over you corporately as, as a body. And then we're going to worship and, and close out the service. I'll turn it over to Tanner in a moment to exhort you. But just lift your hands where you're at. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for these people that have been, that came this morning. I know that there's people that are traveling, they're gone, it's the Christmas weekend, but Lord, I'm thankful. I believe everybody in this room came because they're hungry. They are hungry. They could have stayed home today, but they didn't. They came. They were obedient to your word. They were obedient to what you've instructed us to do. So Lord, I thank you that according to your word, there's a blessing that they receive. There's a blessing that comes along. With, with your word. I want to read it to you in Psalms chapter 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked and stand around with sinners and join in with mockers. The Lord says, there is joy for the person that doesn't follow the ways of the world. I'll paraphrase it in this way, but is, is planted in the house of God. They delight in the law of the Lord. That's why you're here, because you delight in the word of God. They meditate on it day and night. That they will be like trees planted along, along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. In the name of Jesus, let this be true for your church this morning, Lord. Let this be true for your servants this morning. Thank you, Father, that today, is, even as I spoke, you're taking us to a deeper level of maturity in this house, in our lives. Lord, let the Holy Spirit reveal every impression. As I spoke, many of you felt impressions of the Lord, maybe even received instructions from the Lord of how you are to apply this specifically into your life. You begin to see pictures. You begin to have this impression. The Lord was giving you instructions in your spirit. Can I just encourage you? Listen to the Holy Spirit. Obey the Holy Spirit. Allow him to lead you. Do what he's telling you to do. And do not, do not talk yourself out of what he's asking you to give or what he's asking you to do. Maybe some of you feel like you need to bring the word of God to a family member, but you're, you're afraid that it's going to cost you your relationship. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, says the Lord. I'm with you. I'll back you. I'm going to anoint you. 
you just stand in faith and you preach my word, your family will be saved. Your house will be saved. In Jesus' name. Lord, let boldness come upon the church right now. Refresh us with the Holy Ghost. A fresh outpouring this morning of the Holy Ghost. And fire to go throughout this week, not getting beat up and tore down so that we can come back next week as a cup that's empty. No, Lord, give us fire to be victors this week. To walk in victory this week. To walk as conquerors this week. To to stand against the devil and resist the devil in every area of our life. I break down right now and curse that spirit of fear. Tomorrow morning when you wake up and you're tempted to begin stressing and worrying about your finances, the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. You begin to declare what the Lord has said about you according to his word and that the Lord is your source. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. God's giving you his spirit right now. God's giving you his power right now. Lord, we have no power to do anything in our own strength. It's only the power of the Holy Ghost that gives us the ability to do any of this. Father, I want to believe. If you want the Lord to work a miracle through your hands this week, I want you to lift your hands to heaven. If you want the Lord to move through your life with signs, wonders, and miracles this week, He said, you'll cast out demons. You'll speak in new languages. You'll be able to handle serpents and scorpions. You'll tread on them. You could drink something poisonous and it shall by no means harm you. You'll place your hands on the sick and they shall recover. Lord, I pray right now for a boldness and an instruction to come upon each person with the faith to receive and the ears to hear. An instruction to bring your word to a person. And when they bring that word, that person's going to have something wrong with them physically, maybe even a spiritual thing. And by through their hands, you will work signs, wonders, and miracles. You will heal the sick. You will cast out demons. Thank you, Father, for a church full of people that cast out demon spirits. Give us the power of the Holy Ghost. Give us the power of the Holy Ghost to do that this week. We want it, Lord. We're hungry for it, Lord. Take us deeper, Lord. Take us deeper, Lord. Let your fire fall right now in Jesus' name. Let your fire fall right now in Jesus' name. Let your spirit be poured out right now in the name of Jesus. Let fear be gone right now in Jesus' name. Let courage come and arise right now in Jesus' name. Let confidence come and arise right now in Jesus' name. Let overflowing joy fill your church now with Jesus' name. Joy, 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 bubbling forth like a river of living water. Let it wash through this church this morning in Jesus' name. Wipe away every tear, Lord. I declare going into this year that every person that's cried tears of sorrow, they shall be turned into tears of laughter and joy this year in Jesus' name. God is flipping your situation. And it's not just to do something for you. He does love you. He does love you. But I'm telling you, this is the, this is the, the wages of one that works in the field for his harvest. Jesus said, my laborers are paid good wages. My laborers are paid good wages.
Just lift your hands again. Continue to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just a second longer. Just a second longer. Press into his presence. Press into his presence. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.